Lord, will you lift your voice and praise him? Let's go to him today. We love you, Lord. There's nowhere else to go but to you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Won't you just shake your neighbor's hand and say, where else can I go but to the Lord? Where else can I go but to the Lord? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yes, there's something about the name of Jesus. It's more than just the name of Jesus. It's faith in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to ask that the praise singers don't leave till I get started on my message. And I'm going to ask that somebody, and it doesn't have to be Kristen or Drew, but somebody get on YouTube and learn some of these old songs. Praise God. Amen. Because your pastor likes to sing them. And... Uh, I either sing in the key of G or in between there somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> Amen. A few weeks on, I think it's March 11th, we're going to have some old songs. <laughs> Praise God. We sang some old ones today. A little modern flair to them, and that's good. And I like the new songs, too. Not wanting to go back. Somebody ought to talk about the good old days. Bible warns us about talking about the good old days. Amen. There were some bad things happening in the good old days. Thank God wants us to go forward. I feel like traveling on. My heavenly home is bright and fair. Amen. Amen. Can you shout amen, somebody? I'm feeling after the Lord. Praise God. I see an empty Hammond organ over there. That, that's a sin almost. <laughs> we don't feel it, I'm going to sell it. We'll put the money in to go somewhere. Boy, there's a lot of O's there. Is there enough O's to start learning? Amen. <laughs> if, I had, if I had some learning ability of music, I would. Praise God. I, I want you to know I don't pastor this church alone. I got a lot of other pastors that help me. Brother Ward, amen. Nick, Pearson, Alan, Tina, <laughs> Sister Coiner, <laughs> Rhonda. <laughs> By the way, Carrie's been offered a great job in Washington DC and they will be moving so that's gonna leave a hole but we're just trusting God to fill it 
Amen. We're happy for them. Hate to see them and leave us, but we want God's will in their life. I've, you know, I heard a man say one time, we have to hang on to everything loosely in this life. Amen. And Lord, take out what you want and put in what you want. Amen. Can you shout amen to somebody? And, uh, and so, but she was at a victory report on at the nursing home. They have prayer meetings on Thursday there. They've given them the, because they've outgrown their little room, they've given them the cafeteria. And there were over 20, 20, about 20 people. That's more than they get here on ladies' prayer usually. 20 people in prayer meeting at the nursing home. You don't think God's not going to bless. Amen. Let's not forget about those that are, can't make it to church. You can have church right there. They have church right there. Church is where you are. Let's get out of this. It's got to be in a building somewhere at a certain place. It's where you are. God can fill somebody with the Holy Ghost in your home. Amen. I've known a person got the Holy Ghost up in a tree. I knew another man. Men, you want to get the Holy Ghost? Have problems getting the Holy Ghost? He got it doing dishes. Make your wife happy both ways. Amen. Woo. Hallelujah. I feel like praising him. I love him today. James chapter 1, verse 22. James chapter 1, verse 22. One passage of Scripture. Why don't you stand one more time? Because after I preach for three hours, you're going to wish you were standing. <laughs> Just kidding if you're a visitor. <laughs> Depending on the message, it might feel like three hours. I don't know. James chapter 1, verse 22. He writing the church and said, Be doers. Everybody say doers. Of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. You may be seated. I just title this. Doers and dreamers. Doers and dreamers. There's a difference. Some people dream a lot. And there's others that do a lot. There's a difference between, I could have titled it doers or dreamers. What are you? Are you a doer? Are you a dreamer? Amen. I'm not against dreams. Dreams start. But most of the time people let them die. And they feel good about their good intentions. You just feel good that I wanted to help, but then never help. Amen. So, 
I want to preach a little bit today about commitment. Everybody say commitment. We live in a commitless culture. There's not much commitment today. The Bible lets us know that if we hear something and we rejoice in what you have heard, but you don't do anything about it, it's not the devil's who it's not the devil who has deceived you. It's not a false prophet deceiving you. But the Word of God says, but you have deceived yourself. You may say, Brother Andy, and that's my first name. My real name's Andrew, but they called me Andy growing up. And that's kind of stuck. I didn't like it at first. Called me Andy Griffin. Andy Pandy. I've been called Drew before. And, uh, but it's my name. He said, Brother Andy, I, I enjoyed that message. Sometimes I wanted to ask this question. And I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. Though my wife may accuse me of that. I'd like to ask this question, Sister Tatum. And I didn't mention your name because I'm not asking you personally. I'm just pointing. You laugh at my jokes and I appreciate that. I want to ask him. Well, maybe I'll tell you later. Let's move on. No, I want to ask him, brother. Well, did you enjoy it enough? To do something about it? Did you enjoy it enough to apply it? The principle that's being preached? You can tell how great a service you had on Sunday. Someone said this, and I like it. You can tell how great a service you had on Sunday by what happens on Monday morning. We are only all right if we put into action what we've heard. When Peter was asked the question, what must we do? They didn't say, what must we believe? They said, what must we do? And that's when he gave the keys to the kingdom of heaven that Jesus had given him in Matthew 16. And that's when he said, repent. You have to do something when you repent. I want to preach on repentance sometimes. Repentance is not a sorrowful heart. Repentance, a sorrowful heart worketh repentance. But repentance is a change of mind. 
which is a change of action. And then he said, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises to you, to your children, to those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. But how would those on the day of Pentecost say, wow, Peter, that was a great message. But they baptized none. No, those that heard the word and rejoiced in what they heard. The Bible says, well, they believe historically there was probably 10,000 or more people that heard it, but there was 3,000 that did something about it, and those that gladly, everybody say gladly. gladly. The Bible says those that gladly received the word of God were baptized. They were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In other words, they did something about it. They were doers. Everybody say doers. I want to be a doer. What is a doer? It is someone who doesn't just talk about it, but they actually do it. I want to teach a Bible study, Pastor. But we'll buy you a chart. But will you do it? Some people say, or, or some people only dream about what they're going to do in the kingdom. And they're always saying stuff like this. I want to. Or someday I will. <laughs> or they'll stand on the shore and say, you know when my ship comes in. I don't believe in this, but I'll use it as an illustration. When I win that lottery... I'll start paying my tithes. When I get that inheritance, when my ship comes in, oh, the people I'm going to help. We used to play this game. I used to play it with my uncle when I stayed with my grandpa in West Virginia. We'd be on the back porch there in that holler. And I'm talking about, I didn't, I didn't know it at the time, but they were poor. Everybody in that holler was poor. Took my wife there. She's Hispanic. She grew up in inner city Houston. And she went up there and, and she told me this afterwards. She said, I didn't know white people live like this. I said, yeah, there's poor white people too. <laughs> Amen. I said, that's what you're marrying. Don't marry me for my money. <laughs> good thing I was good looking. <laughs> I don't see her around so I can say all this stuff. <laughs> we'd, play, we'd play that game, million dollar. And we'd just dream, Brother Ward, about, oh, if we got a million dollars of things we'd do. You catch the word do. You know, my mother-in-law used to say, all you need is water to keep your house clean. What she mean by that? In other words, 
Start doing with what you got. Don't wait till you get what you think you ought to have before you start doing something about it. Amen. So there we were fixing up that holler. The things we were going to do. Amen. And too lazy to get out there and mow the lawn. Jesus said, if you've been faithful with the little things, I'll make you ruler over many things, bigger things. Can you say praise the Lord? So they stand on the shore and say, you know, when my ship comes in, and they haven't even sent out a canoe. They're dreaming. There's a lot of dreamers in this world. Again, I'm not against dreaming. But if you're only a dreamer, if, it, if, if what you're dreaming never gets off of the paper, amen, then who are they good for? There, there, are, there are people always looking for the perfect place. Looking for that church that has it all together. Hmm. I want to walk in, brother. And I just want to feel the Spirit of God. When, <laughs> you know what I'd like to see church, you know, just when that first note is struck on that piano, everybody just rises to their feet, hands raised and voices. That's the kind of church I'm looking for. <laughs> They're looking for the perfect circumstance. You know, when I don't have to work third shift anymore, then I can really preach. I'll really put a message together then. <laughs> They're looking for the perfect job. They're looking for the perfect spouse. They're looking for the perfect people. But I'm here to tell you the perfect never comes. Never comes. Hallelujah. So they just dream on. They just dream on. Consoling themselves, easing their conscience because they're just waiting for you to get it together. And then when you get it together, I'll be able to get it together. Amen. Honey, it don't work that way. I guess I could say this to the young people. They're waiting for the perfect parents. There are no perfect parents. So obey anyway. So what is it that separates the doers from the dreamers? One word. One word. Commitment. Commitment. Look at your neighbor and say, commitment. Amen. Commitment can change lives. 
Now, when I say something and I say it that way, that's a cue for you to say, Amen. Amen. So I'm going to do it one more time. Commitment can change lives. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You get an A for that one. Here's another one. Commitment can change churches. Commitment can change motives. Did I say motives? Movements. But it can change motives. That's what third shift does to you. But this generation that we are living in does not have a commitment to longevity. I used to get a kick out of this one preacher, but I can say it now too. He's on an Indian reservation and he started to work on an Indian reservation. He used to say, you know, I've been there 25 years. I'm thinking about staying. <laughs> well, I can say that now. I've been here 25 years. I'm thinking about staying. <laughs> Praise God. It takes commitment. Amen. And, and, and you know, when we came to this area, there were people that were wondering about our commitment. They knew we were from Ohio, or I was anyway. My wife was from Houston, and, and, and family was in Houston, family was in Ohio. And they were saying, why would you stay in this area? Why should we join this church? Because you're probably not going to stay. You're probably going to move back to Ohio, or you're going to go down to Houston to be close to your family. I used to, no, I, I have no intentions unless the Lord takes me. Amen. I have no intentions of going anywhere. I plan on, on staying. Yeah, but you guys haven't even built a building. You're renting. Renting gives a flavor of non-commitment, you know. Well, yeah, but we're paying the mortgage every month. We can't afford to build right now, but, but all I had was my word that we're going to stay. Amen. And listen, it's been hard. It's been easy. Praise God. It's been good and it's been bad. Amen. It's been lonely and it's been uh, not lonely. Amen. But there has been a commitment that says God wants a church. Praise God. Hallelujah. And it's meant giving some things up. Amen. It seems like, and, and I don't want to be too hard on this generation. It's got some good qualities, but all their commitments are in sound bites. Like elections. Everything's a sound bite. You got to get it in quick. Like this message. I got to get it in quick. Short-lived. There are those who come and they want to start something and they meet a little obstacle and they're not doing it anymore. And it's like, haven't you read about sowing the seed? And, and Jesus talks about the seed that was sown and the trials are going to come, challenges are going to come. It seems like there's no brand name loyalty. Brand name loyalty. No brand name. Remember brand name? Some of you like brand names. Mercedes. 
<laughs> trying to think of some brand names right now. I'm not a brand name guy myself, but, but there's, there's just some, you know, it used to be a loyalty. If you was a Chevy man, you was a Chevy man. Ford, you like Fords. Fix or repair daily. And I've owned them all. And it's very different to get people to commit to anything that has longevity. They, they don't stay with anything for the long haul. Have you noticed that? Or is it just me? You know, I have a certain loyalty... And, and I know they're not the only thing going around, but I have a certain loyalty to the United Pentecostal Church. See, what's that? Well, that's the church that told me about Jesus Christ. That's the pastor that for three years, every week, on Wednesday, on Friday, and on Sunday would pick me and Rhonda up and take us to church till I was able to drive myself. Amen. He did it every week. I got special counsel right in the pastor's car. Amen. And when I wasn't doing so good, he still picked me up. I wish I could say from 13 on I was just the perfect specimen of what it ought to be, but I wasn't. But he still loved me and he still picked me up. And yet there were others that tried to pull me away and say, you don't want to go to that church. It's dead. They're the deadest Pentecostal church you've ever seen. And I'm here to tell you, I'm not disputing it wasn't. It was a little dead. It was a little dry. He wouldn't even let drums. Now, I respected that, although I tried to talk him into getting them. But he said, no. Well, I'm out of here. <laughs> Don't tell anybody no anymore. Don't tell your kids no. <laughs> Where am I going with this? Am I meddling too much? I'll move on. tried to pull me away and, and, and one time there was a situation and it did pull me away I started going to this other church and pastor called me what's going on well I don't like what's going on in the church and, and all he was trying to do was stand for righteousness sometimes you get in trouble for standing for what's right <laughs> but I'm here to tell you God gave me the whipping of my life Mama Bassett, he whooped me good. And I said, I'll go back, God, I'll go back. And I, I, I went back to church, that church. I, I, and you know what? It wasn't the liveliest church. The music was old-fashioned. Amen. There was, no, you know, we clapped, we clapped to the chorus of a song. That was it. In white style, 2-4 beat. But those people loved God. And they had a commitment. 
And that pastor picked me up, and it wasn't his fault. It was my commitment to stay loyal to what God has shown me and to be a doer of the word of God. Can you shout amen, somebody? Kids, love your parents. Amen. They've done a lot to get you where you're at. Love your church. It's time to help you. Amen. Oh, come on. Let's all stand and clap our hands and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He's been so good to us. There will be those that will try to run your church down, try to run those that help you down, try to run your parents down. Amen. You look them in the face and say, you're a liar. I'm committed to being a doer of the word. You may be seated. Amen. Or do you want me to quit? I'm just type preacher. I got to have that affirmation. Because if I'm boring you, we'll quit. Kristen's looking at me saying, hmm. (laughs) Listen, I'm committed to my church regardless of what happens across town. You, you hear what's going over in someone going on in so-and-so's church? They're having revival. Glory. I'm gonna go over there. But your church is Sunday morning. <laughs> They're having revival over there. Everybody say commitment. <laughs> Amen. They might be having revival over there. But my commitment's to preach here. Can you say praise the Lord, somebody? Amen. Regardless, I wrote this down. Don't, regardless of how good looking a woman is, I am committed to my wife and my family. Shout amen, somebody. Regardless of how handsome that man is, be committed to your husband and to your family. Praise God. You just don't trade people in. You just don't trade churches in. You just don't quit, amen. You be a doer of the word. And it's going to get hard at times. Regardless of what everybody else in the church is saying, I'm committed in longevity. I am here, bless God, till Jesus takes me for the long, I'm here for the long haul. And that's what separates the doers from the dreamers. I've seen a lot of people since I've been here in this Metroplex going to start a Pentecostal church. And they're not here anymore. I remember one time we didn't know what we were doing. So Brother Cash, you know, they come on over, thought it was going to be better, you know. Was, oh, God, trials came upon us, didn't they? But, but you know what? 
he had a, he was reaching out into the prison and we got this axe program alcohol chemical treatment series class and we started teaching that and i had this preacher and he'd come up and he was in south Lake, somewhere up there with a nice community we were in little watauga and i didn't know this people get caught up in what city i go to church in keller I go to church in South. Okay. We're in Watunga. <laughs> Where? Where's that? <laughs> Made me feel inferior, you know, like, oh my God, you know, did I pick the wrong city or what? It's <laughs> just, just, you know, and. And I'm telling this other guy, and he's starting the church too. I said, oh man, we got the Acts class going, we're teaching, we're getting some students, and we're excited, we got a sign out front, and we're helping alcoholics. And I, I didn't know the city would be mad at us. They, they, I, I brought it up to the city. We had to get permission to use our building every year. I, I brought up, hey, hey, we're, gonna, we're having an alcohol chemical treatment class here in the city to help, help folks. And man, they said, who in the, what kind of people are you bringing into our city? And they excoriated me. And finally, the head lady said, isn't that what the church is supposed to do? Help people? Praise God. You see people that don't look like they belong here, they belong here. Amen. Well, anyway, I tell this, man, and I'm just so excited about this alcohol chemical treatment class, Sister Tina. And he says, what kind of people are those? How are you going to build a church with those kind of people? And I knew enough then that this man's probably not going to build a church. Not that he's not a good man, but just the, I, it doesn't see. What David, all those that were down and out, destined, he had some mighty men from all those that came to him, praise God. And they were kind of the dregs of society. God can build a church with former alcoholics, former drug addicts, former street people. Can you shout praise the Lord? Hallelujah. They were souls. We're trying to, we're trying to reach souls. That's what we're trying to do. And there's still a church here. But there's no church where he was at. And I'm not trying to be hard on him, but you can't look at people that way. You know, Michelangelo was one of the Western civilization's greatest artists. He was gifted from birth to paint and to sculpt. He proceeded to do both, but his passion, everybody say passion. He loved sculpture. It surprises some of you, doesn't it? He loves, loved sculpture, not painting. He could paint, but it wasn't his passion. Pope Julius II sent for him to come and sculpt the papal tomb in Rome. And he accepted it with great joy. <laughs> Brother Ward's asked me to sing next week. (laughs) 
Sister Pixler asked me to teach a class next week. And we use it. Not my gift. Well, you know, changing light bulbs is my gift, but I was changing them this week. <laughs> changing diapers wasn't my gift, but I had to do it. And so he accepted with great joy. But when he got to Rome, when Michelangelo got to Rome, the assignment had been changed. He would not be sculpting, but he was asked to paint a dozen pictures on a nondescript chapel in the Vatican. <laughs> he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do it. But you know what? He did it anyway with a commitment to the task. And for four years, he gave everything into that. He painted on his back. And he stamped his genius on art forever. Michelangelo was, listen to me. If you don't catch anything, catch this. Michelangelo was born for greatness. Born for it. He had the gift for it. But without commitment, his influence would have been minor. Amen. You hear me? I said, Did you really hear me? He didn't want to paint. That wasn't his passion. He loved to sculpt. But yet, when he was asked to do it, he did it with commitment and did it until the job was done. Amen. And left his mark of greatness on the world because he was made for greatness. And I'm here to tell you, some of you are made, if not all of you, are made for greatness. God wants to do something in your life. Hallelujah. But you'll never do it without commitment. Everybody say commitment. You won't do it without commitment to what God. And it may not be what you actually want to do, but you commit to it because it's what's needed at the time. Hey, you need me to teach? I'll teach. You need me to pray? I'll pray. You need me to lead this? A fruit? I'll lead it. You need me to give? I'll give a commitment say commitment again and because he committed he left his mark Jesus Jesus you'll never do anything if everything's got to be going your way amen somebody said well who's your Who's your boss, Pastor? I got all of you. Got all of you. 
Sister Mickey Mangan, I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but she's a tremendous singer that's left her mark on the Pentecostal movement and on, on gospel music itself. She has sung for presidents. But her story goes, it was her grandma, it was the, her, her maiden name was Lumpkin. And her, her grandmother was living for the Lord. But her husband didn't want to live for God. And she was committed. She was committed to her marriage. Some of you got this question, well, if my husband's not living for the Lord, should I stay with him? If my wife's not, yes, stay with him, as long as they're happy to dwell with you. But he wasn't. I guess he had an affair and he left. And I don't think she ever, she never remarried. But she stayed committed to God. She stayed committed to the Lord. And she raised her son. And she raised him in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. She stayed committed to God. Even though things, she had an excuse. Well, my husband, I don't have a husband. I don't have a husband to lead me. She stayed committed. And though it was hard, and though they were poor, she served God with all of her heart. And her son ended up being a preacher. Ended up being the superintendent of the Arkansas district. Brother Lumpkin. I remember him. He didn't go the way of his dad because he had a committed mom. All the moms say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And because of that grandma's commitment, her granddaughter grows up, marries a preacher. She becomes a singer, loves God. And then one day, well, President, it was Governor Clinton at the time, used to visit our camp meetings in Arkansas. He loved Pentecostals. Though he wasn't one, he loved the Pentecostals. It's a lot about Clinton you may not like, but I like the fact he loved Pentecostals. And he's a, he's a very... He, he, he can win you over. It was prophesied at that camp that he would be president. And I, I, mean, I don't know if you know anything about the story, but he shouldn't have been president. I mean, but he became president. And he used to love to hear the Pentecostals sing. He, Sister Manga would go up there because that was her dad's from Louisiana go up there and sing and all that. And that's where he became friends with the Mangans. And then when he became president, he said, Sister Mickey, I want you to sing for my inauguration. <laughs> Anthony Mangan's gone up there and prayed for Clinton in the White House. So because a grandmother stayed committed, her granddaughter is singing for presidents.
What would happen if you become a doer of the word instead of a dreamer only? It is a real commitment when you do things that only God sees and God knows. Someone said this, if opportunity doesn't knock, then you build a door. Did you ever read about the rebuilding of the walls of Nehemiah? There was a group in there, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to stop here. There was a group of people in there that were apothecaries who were involved in building that wall. They were out of their gifting. They weren't wall builders. They weren't bricklayers. Their gifting was to delicately make perfume. But the task and the commitment called for them to handle a trial and cement and get their hands dirty to build a wall. They could have refused and said, it's not my gift. But their commitment called for them to do something that they did not really want to do. And God is looking for people that are committed. Hallelujah. If God says, I want to build a wall, then let's put our blue jeans on, amen, and, and get to work. I want to be a part of what God is doing today. I'd be willing to learn to do something that is not my specialty if I can just be part of it. Let me be a part of what you're doing, Lord. Commitment starts in the heart. Amen. I'm going to have to stop here. I, I thank you for giving me this amount of time. <laughs> I can remember we were taking the kids Remember the old white van we had? I was a little concerned about them tires on that van, and sure enough, we started going down there, and I the tread came off of the tire. And there we were, pulled into this place, not much people around, and this guy took us to, or, or he let us pull in there, and and he changed the tire for us. We had, or pardon me, he didn't change the tire for he, uh, We had to get put our spare tire on, our spare tire on. And this one young, young boy that came with it, he wasn't from this church, okay? So we're not indicting anybody here. But this one young boy, he was good at playing the piano. And, and he was going down with us. He was from another church. And I said, I said, get that tire out of the back of that van. <laughs> you know what he did? <laughs> I, it was funny to me, but he looks at his hands. Like, these hands are made for this. You might as well come on up because I'm ready, I'm ready to end here. But, but th these hands are made for this. That's why he's looking at his hands. Like, I'm going to get dirty. I get that tire out. Well, all you had to do, you know, sometimes my dad comes out in me. 
My dad was, boy, get that tire out. I told him I better not have to tell you twice. But I didn't tell him quite like that. I said, get that tire out. Quit looking at your hands. Your hands ain't that pretty. A man ought to know how to change a tire. And dads, if you haven't taught your son how to change a tire, teach him how to change a tire. I taught Kristen how to change a tire. Just in case. Well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. There's things we all don't want to do. But if we're committed to being a doer of the word. Come on, somebody. This, this message may not leave you on your feet shouting. But the Bible says that Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. Jesus, keep me near the cross. Because it reminds me of what you didn't want to do, Lord. But yet when he prayed in that garden, he said, Father, let this cup pass from me. And I don't believe it was necessarily the cross itself, but it was all of our sins that he was going to take on. I said, let this cup pass, Father. <laughs> I don't want to do it. But he didn't stop there. He said, I'm committed. He didn't say it in words like that, but that's what he was saying. God, I'm committed to your will. And if your will is for me to go to the cross, he said, nevertheless, thy will be done. Because Jesus wasn't a dreamer. He was a doer. A doer of the will of God. And though, and though he didn't want to he went for the joy, the Bible says, that was set for, before him because he knew God would not leave him nor forsake him. And he would do what God had asked him to do, though, though he really didn't want to do it. What about us today? What about us today? Will you stand? Are we committed? You, de you determine your destiny by your commitment. Thomas Edison said many lives. Failures are people who didn't realize how close they were to success when they gave up. God help me. Is there anybody committed today? Jesus, Jesus at the center of it all. Oh, God. Jesus at the center of it all. Hallelujah, Lord. From beginning to the end. I'm not worthy, I know that. always be. Always been you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. To be committed, Lord. To be committed, Lord. Yeah.